Welcome to episode 78 of the Jackson Hole Connection, brought to you by the Liquor Store of Jackson Hole. Serving Jackson Hole community since 1983. Please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash TLS to learn more. Hello from Jackson Hole, I'm Stephan Abrams, your host and guide today. Each week I sit with someone connected to Jackson Hole to share their fascinating story about daily life. I feel we can all learn so much from each other and I intend to search out people and their stories, which will teach us all a little bit about life outside of our everyday circle. Before I began interviewing my guests today, my southern roots prompted me to use the formal title of Mr. I was quickly shot down and corrected and prompted to call my guest by his first name, John. So that's what I did. So I'm really excited about my guest today, John Turner. The Turners now have five generations of families living in the Valley, and John is from the third generation. Born in Jackson Hole to a ranching family, which originally came out west with Brigham Young. No, John's not that old, but his family has certainly been out here for a while. John and his family have been operating the Triangle X Ranch since 1926. John proudly served for 19 years in the Wyoming State Senate. Later in life, John served during each of the Bush presidencies in critical roles, which we will learn more about today. The Turner family history is one which we should all learn about. And I'm very thankful and honored John spent time to share a small snippet with us today. Well, John, thank you for coming this morning to be my guest here at the Jackson Hole Connection podcast. Great to join you. It was uh, Chris morning. 17 below this morning when I left the house. 17 below. That keeps the uh, the body moving fast. It, it frost <laughs> on the pumpkin for sure. <laughs> That's right. John, you have been in the Valley for a few years. You know, they asked the old cowboy, they said, hey, mister, you lived here all your life? He said, nope, not yet. <laughs> so I've been blessed to be a native born here in Jackson. And... What is your family's history here in Jackson Hole? How did it, where, where did it begin? Well, this year we're blessed to celebrate 94 years of the Turners here in Jackson Hole, five generations. Uh, we are fortunate enough to operate the Triangle X Ranch, which is now in the heart of Grand Teton National Park, and that's a family business involving uh, Dude Ranch, wilderness pack trips, river flow trips, fall big game hunting, uh, open in the winter. So it's a, it's a, we're outfitters hosting people, sharing this, this valley with them down through the decades. And when did Triangle X begin? Uh, my grandfather came in here and bought out uh, an old homestead in 1926. And um, the Turners were uh a ranching family out of northern Utah. In fact, my great-grandfather pushed a handcart across the plains with part of the Brigham Young Brigade. He was a polygamist. So they came here, they'd come to Jackson Hole in the early 1900s to fish and hunt, loved Jackson Hole, and uh, moved here in 26. All right. And then the Turners went on and started what's now Turbid Meadow Ranch and Hart Six Ranch. And why did the family branch out to go start those other ranches? Well, uh, 
ranching, economic tourism business, which was the Turners got into, was pretty limited. And the Turner family, uh, my dad, two brothers, two aunts, so there just wasn't enough economic activity at the Triangle X, and so they went on and started other business. Plus, my grandfather, Turner, was a little bit of a wander, wanderlust mm-hmm. and kept trying new stuff. He was driven. <clears throat> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, to come up here and build the Triangle X, the tour. The Jackson Hole was pretty much cattle ranching. Mm-hmm. That was the heart of the valley. So tourism was pretty iffy then. Jackson Hole had not been discovered. They started out big game hunting, uh, guided fishing in those early days. You just told me a few minutes ago that you the ranch got electricity. Was that in 54 that I heard you say that? Well, the Turners were here at a time when um, here in Jackson Hole, uh, survival was a real challenge, and especially surviving winter. The old timers and the Turners are in those early years. You worked year-round just to survive winter have enough food, have enough wood, have enough feed for your livestock. Uh, It was pretty tough. And the upper valley where the Triangle X was, we didn't have electricity till 1953 when REA came up. So it took mountains of firewood, Mm -hmm. heat and cook. I think we only heated three rooms in our main house. The bedrooms were outside temperatures. So to go to bed at night at 15 below or 10 below, whatever the heck it was, um, in the summer, the cooling was done with ice. Uh, I remember going to the beaver ponds with a team of horses, cutting out big blocks of ice that was stored in a shed full of sawdust. In the summer, when you needed uh, cooling for your food services for your guests, you went and got a couple blocks of ice. Uh, pretty isolated in the winter. When we were growing up early at the Triangle X, we only came to Jackson maybe twice a winter. It was a there wasn't any highway going up the east side of the valley, so it was a 45-hour sleigh ride from the Triangle X to Moose or where you could shovel your car out. And then he came to Jackson that night, stayed with friends. Next day, had dental appointments, got groceries, did whatever he had to do, spent the night, and then went home on the third day. Cause, so you were isolated. and So to have enough firewood for the winter, enough hay for your livestock, and then um, to have a business that you could generate some cash. Generating cash in those early days was really a challenge for everyone. Mm-hmm. In in what sense? Because the time frame to operate the business was so small or the revenue streams, such well, as the tourism and the cattle that you were raising? Well, you had to raise hay. That took care of livestock. You could harvest the beef. You could shoot an elk. You could have a garden. Mm-hmm. But uh, cash was really tough, so some people trapped. Some people brought in dudes. The Turners uh, thought they could make cash by raising potatoes. They were from Utah. They planted three acres of potatoes, and their neighbors said, you can't grow potatoes in Jacksonville. <laughs> they said, well, we, we Utah people, we'll show you how to do it. Well, So all summer long, the neighbors would stop by and see how the Turners' potatoes were coming. And sure enough, leaves came up and planted. But I think in the late fall when they harvested that three acres of potatoes, they were all about the size of a walnut. <laughs> I think they filled about two bags with. So uh, I don't think my granddad lived that down for throughout his lifetime uh, when he tried to plant potatoes. But they milked cows. They they put uh, 
buckets of milk on the mail sleigh and send it to neighbors. People ladle out what they wanted and then pay the turners a few pennies later when they could. So, you know, it was it was tough living here um, with the winter especially and the isolation. Uh, tough on ladies. Women women really had it tough. I can remember my, my mom uh, to heat the house, to do the laundry, do all the cooking, take care of the kids. It was tough. I, I remember asking my mom, Mom, what was the hardest part of early days at the Triangle? She said, interesting enough, she said, uh, cleaning the milk separator. And the milk separator, the, the men would go out and milk the cows, bring in that heavy, that pail of of uh, of heavy milk, and then you had to take it downstairs and put it in the milk separator to take off the cream, separate the milk, and then heavy heavy cream for butter. And she said those old things had a lot of stainless steel plates and screens. She said every day to separate the milk and then go down and have to clean all those screens and stuff. Of course, it was all all the water was heated on a wood stove. Mm-hmm. Oh man, cleaning the damn milk separator. She said was mm. the toughest. She'd do laundry, hang it up in the in the house, and it just freeze solid. It was like boards. My gosh, but your family has endured five generations. Uh, not all families have stayed around for five generations. You know, it, it's had its challenges, but uh, we're blessed today to have fifth generation young Turners guiding rafts down the river, taking people on wilderness trips, guiding horse trips making beds, cleaning toilets, you know, everything you do on a dude ranch. And so we've been fortunate to have a division of labor and everybody with their own niches. Uh, a lot goes on on an operating, working guest ranch. And so the Turners have, you know, it's hard to find good help anymore. So we found, uh, well, good one good strategy is to raise, to raise them. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a wise strategy. Indeed. Um, so I'm curious as to, you said the ranch is currently open during the winter for guests. So if somebody were to come to the ranch today, um, granted it's negative 17 over there, what would they expect to find? Um, what type of activities? And um, Well, of course, Jackson Hole has been discovered now with our uh, good airline service and our Teton Village, uh, Great Alpine Skiing, but the Triangle X is uh, the only overnight accommodation, I think, that's open in the park during the winter. And so our guests are cross-country skiers, they're snowshoers, uh, we get snowmobilers. We're a little far from the the Jacksonville Ski Resort uh, to be convenient for alpine skiing, but we get people just want to enjoy the park, see wildlife. It's just gorgeous up there right now. Uh, we had a wine pairing a couple nights ago, which was full, and uh, people like to sit in the hot tub, drink wine, look at the mountains, sounds even when it's 17 below. Sounds like a nice combination, nice recipe for relaxation. It's pretty nice. I'm not sure how how lucrative the winter business is from an income, but it it uh, one of the things it helps do is helps you justify keeping some key help on. Mm-hmm. I think key help in You're running right. businesses around here is critical. Yeah. yeah. I think in any businesses it is, but at least here with the seasonality of, of our community, the 
critical key help is so important. Yeah, and we, we've been fortunate enough to have some key help and key position that come back year after year. If you're going to do wilderness trips, you've got to know how to take care of livestock, got to know how to throw a diamond hitch on a mule. If you're in the river business, you've got to have some experienced river guides that can uh, take care of people safely. Horseback rides, you got to have people that uh, know how know how to take care of livestock, how to host people safely. And then the people skills, cooks. Oh, my God, finding cooks has been one of the hardest things. So to keep a couple of good cooks here around uh, helps just, justify the winter business. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you a few questions about what it was like in more detail during some of those earlier years. So you mentioned that you only, you'd only come to town in the winter maybe twice because there's a four- to five-hour sleigh ride from the ranch to Moose. And how many miles is that? Well, in the sleigh, it was about uh, 12 miles. Okay. But then when you got to Moose, of course, your car was buried and hadn't been tended to in weeks. So mm-hmm. you took took an hour or two to shovel it out. I, I remember my dad would bring a pan down with some old motor oil. And he'd fill the pan with motor oil and he'd light it. And he'd put it under the block of the engine for a half hour, hour, trying to warm the thing up so you get the car started. Oh, my gosh. And then you had to take care of your team and tie them up and feed them with hay. So, uh, But I remember coming across the flats as a little kid curled up in the hay with a coloring book. And my dad had uh, taken a sleigh and put a canopy over it, a canvas canopy. had a little wood stove in it. Really? So, uh, you know, the wind might be howling on, out on Antelope Flats. and But that team could... Your team could sense where the sleigh road was uh-huh. and uh, would just keep moving. And actually, we were pretty comfortable in that uh, that sleigh. Later on, uh, they developed things like snow planes, mm-hmm. which were unique to Jackson Hole. It had an airplane engine on them, tripod uh, ski configuration. And when the snow was right, uh, those things were pretty fast. They were limited in how many people you could put in them. Just Usually, they only carry two, three people small canopy but my grandfather was a grandfather on my mother's side was a sailor and a mining engineer he he did a sail uh, a sail sleigh he took the configuration of three skis with a seat put a big mast up and a sail so he tried sailing out on (laughs) animal flats and i i think when the snow was soft it didn't work very well but when the snow would set up with a crust Uh he could really zip out on could. Antelope Flats. He yeah. built the first sailboat that was out on Jenny Lake. And, that's awesome. Um, so that when, cool. when did the road come out to you guys then? They put the highway in in 1956. Okay. Uh, came up the east side of the valley. and. Um, but before 1956, it was just, was there a gravel road in the summer? At least in the summer? Just a gravel road. And you okay. better... You learn very young how to change tires because oh, really? it was all cobblestone and gravel. And, of course, in those days, tires were rubber-based. And it seems like I was changing tires all the time. Oh, my gosh. You didn't have these steel-belted tires. And stuff. Right. <laughs> so the road went east up through Mormon Row and took a left at the pink house. I remember on the phone telling guests, got to turn left at the pink house. <laughs> <laughs> and out through Antelope Flats then... It went east up toward uh, what's now Lost Creek Ranch, down a pretty steep hill called Cunningham Hill. Then went over to Moosehead. Uh, Moosehead actually was a post office called the Elk Post Office. 
And then there was a gravel road that went out and an old log bridge that would take you across the Buffalo River and back up to the highway. So the only highway open over Togarty Pass came down through the park mm -hmm. on the west side of the Snake River and on into Jackson. But our side of the valley was pretty isolated. Did that highway being installed open up um, more tourism to the valley? Did it help with that? Uh I'm not sure it helped with tourism. It certainly made uh, trucking through Jackson Hole became a state highway. It certainly made better access for the Triangle X, and we were able by then to, as we got older and went to school in Jackson, um, that made that a lot more accessible. All our kids went to one-room school up at Moran, mm -hmm. and then for later grades they had to come to Jackson on the bus and so you get up in the dark, kids come home in the dark. But Oof, yeah. I know what it's like dropping my kids off in the dark, but, I mean, dropping the kids off for the bus at Triangle X is a lot different than me doing it over at the Mormon Church around in East Jackson. Well, then you had kids that were up at the Jackson Lake Lodge or up the Buffalo River, and, of course, they had a lot further commute. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a good hour, hour and a half, I'm sure, mm -hmm. sometimes, depending on what the road was like. Um when you were growing up, what did you do for, during the school year? Did you Were you homeschooled? Well, uh, early on we had a school. They finally moved the school to the Triangle X. There were only two students. Okay. My, my older brother, Harold, and Dick Barker, uh -huh. uh, a moose. And, and so they had a teacher, and, and I was just a snotty little kid that come in and, and disrupt the classroom. Later on, uh, my mom and dad got a house in Jackson and, and hired a housekeeper or farmed us out with families here so we could go to school in Jackson. And neither mom or dad had the opportunity for college education, but they really valued the opportunity for myself and two brothers to get an education. So eventually, uh, they got a place in Salt Lake, same arrangement, get somebody to look after us, um, a very good parochial Catholic school in, in Salt Lake. And then we all had three had the opportunity to go to go on to higher education, which, as I look back, was a pretty hard uh, sacrifice for our parents to see we got an education, but certainly a gift, mm -hmm. a real gift. Yeah. The schools in Jackson then were, were not stellar. Okay. Uh, but I'm, it was still school. It was still education. Oh, yeah, but I can remember uh, I was a pending juvenile delinquent in the fourth, fifth grade, always getting in trouble, uh, shooting out insulators on power lines and playing hooky and tipping over outhouses in Jackson. <laughs> uh, with people in them? Oh, yeah. Oh. One, one night tipped one over on the door with a lady in it. So pretty much snotty little kids. <laughs> so they shipped us off to Salt Lake, and they told my parents here how smart that little Johnny Turner was. Of course, I got to Salt Lake, and those nuns grabbed me by the ear. I was a year behind, scholastically. Uh huh. I'm sure you caught up fat, fat pretty fast. Well, I. Um, it's good they had a ruler and grabbed us by the ear. <laughs> <laughs> now, as you became um, more educated and matured, and started running the ranch with your brother, you also um, served our our country in many different ways as well. What are some of those ways that you've served our country? Well, Stephen, I had great opportunities. Uh, I was doing graduate work at the University of Michigan working on a PhD in 
wildlife ecology, uh, did some of the first research on bald eagles, ospreys in the greater Yellowstone area, um, enjoying the ranch. An old timer here drove up to the ranch and sat me down with my brothers and said, one of you Turner boys are going to run for the legislature. And we all said, no, not us. We got other stuff we're doing. He said, I'll be back in two days. You tell me which one of you Turner boys are going to run because the old blood of the Republican Party, uh, they've been in control too long. We need some young we need some young blood in the party. So as happened, Sasswood had it. I ran for the Wyoming legislature. Uh, I ran on an ecological platform. Fortunately, people in Tedon County didn't know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so I was elected to the legislature. Uh, I think I was 28 or 29, pretty young. Went on to serve 19 years in the... Wyoming State Senate, became president of the Wyoming Senate, first person in Teton County to head up one of the legislative uh, bodies. I, I loved the legislative process and then uh, was honored by George H.W. Bush, first Bush president, who asked me to come back and be director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which headed up all the major wildlife fishery programs around the country and I just loved that. That was one of the best jobs in in Washington. Every day was a shootout, whether it was planning to reintroduce wolves in Yellowstone or working with spotted owls, refuges, anatomist fisheries. I mean, it was something else. And then uh, I had the opportunity in Bush too to be an assistant secretary at the State Department with Colin Powell and, and Secretary Condi Rice. And I got to head up the sustainability efforts on behalf of the United States around the country, and I had infectious disease, I had forestry, I had environmental stuff, I had science, I had oceans, timbering. Uh, so that that was just great. Uh, two of the best jobs in Washington, and it was, uh, it was great to serve domestically, first in the state government, and then in a position representing programs around the United States, and then to work on problems around the globe so i had great opportunities well thank you for the service that you provided the state of wyoming and and our country that's uh much appreciated well i i was blessed with great opportunities i'll be right back with john after this quick message from the show's sponsor tls the liquor store there's far more than what the name says tls is jackson hole's premier stop for beer wine and liquor we are locally owned and operated have been helping customers plan weddings, birthdays, holidays, and dinners since 1983. We offer a memorable experience with friendly, thoughtful, welcoming service. Come by and meet our family of team members. Open every day. Albertsons is next to us. Visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash TLS to learn more. So we're back and you were just telling me about how you worked for um, the administration for George W. Bush and then Bush too. You mentioned something about bringing wolves back, getting to work on that. Were you it for bringing wolves back into our ecosystem or were you working to keep that from happening at that time? You know, they're still burning me in effigy around <laughs> Wyoming. <laughs> I was naive enough or arrogant enough to think that I could come up with a plan that would work for the West to restore wolves in Yellowstone. The Western delegations from 
Wyoming, Idaho, Montana had pretty much put a stop to reintroduction of wolves. So I put together a, a strategy involving a seldom used parcel of the Endangered Species Act, which would allow for an experimental population. And I put together a plan where the states would be partners, that we would have certain goals for a reintroduced pack in Yellowstone. And once they hit that, then management would revert to the states because of the concern of impact on livestock, the impact on big game herds, which are owned and important to the mountain states. And though not entirely happily, uh, after 20, 30 years of stalemate, the Western delegation said, well, we're not wild about this, Turner, but we realize the national sentiment is to bring wolves back into that ecosystem. And you've put in place a strategy which makes us partners and it's not extreme we're going to be able to manage the wolves uh, when they misbehave as obviously would i remember <laughs> i walked into the office Stephen, there in washington and my deputy wonderful guy he said you watch watch the national news last night and i said no he said well you shut up and i said how come he said well your brother was on national television condemning your plan to <laughs> restore wolves in Yellowstone. So the charm of our family, they do their own thinking. and uh, So we reintroduced, we put the plan together. We had more public hearings out around uh, the three-state region than ever been held by the Department of Interior. Reintroduced wolves. I remember asking the biologists how long will it take to reach the population objectives. They said 12 years. Uh, the wolves hit it in three. The Ooh. rascals were so successful, the prey base. So uh, I was a foot taller, had hair before I uh, put the wolf plan together. I regret to this day that some of the promises we made to the western states that they would be able to manage the wolf uh, after it reached a certain number that the extreme environmental community and very liberal courts have uh, thumped that, so now we've got way above number of wolves. That, and the states have been have not been able to take back the management and address some of the things. But So uh, I'm tickled we have the wolf back part of the Rocky Mountain ecosystem. I'm glad we found a way to gain acceptance here in the mountain states. But I really do regret that we we didn't keep our word on the state's role and the ability for their citizens to address the impacts of a high-impact predator. Well, a few things there. Thank you for, for working on it, but also for acknowledging what your regret is on what the impact was and what you could not foresee. And I think that speaks volumes to a lot of things that we probably allow ourselves to be frozen in time due to indecision because we don't know what the impacts will be of our decisions in the future versus putting together a plan and hoping for the best. And if it doesn't work out, then it's better to go make some changes. It's better to assess, see where mm -hmm. we're at. Yeah. Uh, what kind of changes do we need to make? And there's no question that the wolves have, have certainly had an impact on certain segments of big game. They can certainly uh, cause real hardship to livestock operations, and that should be addressed, needs to be addressed. Same with the grizzly bear. Mm -hmm. You and your family have 
shown what it takes to live and survive in this valley for many generations. We're now five generations here. Do you guys, does the Turners, do the Turners, operate with a philosophy that you carry down generation to generation for people to survive and thrive? Well, we're the fortunate ones to be able to live in a work in a place like Jackson Hole. And we've really been fortunate to not only live and work here, but to share this valley and its great outdoor resources with people from around the United States and around the world in really extensive ways. We interact with the visitors to Jackson Hole in a more in-depth and lengthy way than than most. I mean, our people come for, our guests come for a week or two weeks. We have guests that been coming for over 60 years. No kidding. Uh, when I was just a little pooper, you know, playing in the creek and the, <laughs> with other guests, these guests are now coming back as, as grandparents, bringing their families. 70% of our guests are returned. Hmm. So what a wonderful opportunity to share this magical mountain country with others, to help them understand it, to help uh, instill in them a reason that we need to be good caretakers of these stewards and pass them on to future generations. So whether it's a wilderness trip back at the headwaters of the Snake River or a hunting trip, uh, hunting elk on their own terrain up the Continental Divide, floating the river, or hosting people uh, here in the park. We've, we've, we've been very, very fortunate to be in a business that's a lot of fun, very gratifying, and least to date has been able to pay the bills. I'm glad it has been. There's something, though, which you and your family do, which brings those people back for 60 years. It's not just the mountains and the hiking and the hunting and the fishing and the rafting guides. There's, there's something about the Turner magic that you guys are sharing that your family's sharing with those folks. And I'm going to say it's probably more experiential than anything for people to know what it is that they have to come out and be a part of it to know what it is. Well, thank you. I I think there's some truth to that. Certainly a lot of our guests down through the years have commented they come back because they're family too. They're part of the Triangle X family. They're they're part of, uh, of the experience that we have had in sharing and we've all grown together. So uh, the Turners have, have been fortunate to host these, these people who enjoy the outdoors. They made something of themselves. They're adventurous themselves. We don't, we don't really get the cocktail crowd that wants to sit around the pool and uh, we get people who don't mind horse manure and saddle sores and bugs and sleeping in a, in a tent and um, so uh, to experience that together, to grow with those guests and welcome back friends that have been coming for 20, 30, 50 years is, is a treat for us. Mm-hmm. Blessing. That is a, a wonderful blessing. And I'm honored that you are here speaking with me today and sharing some of uh, your stories about life and your experiences. I'm sure that you, we could go on for, for many hours talking about John Turner's many volumes of that could fill volumes of books throughout life. Stefan, thank you for uh, your interest in recording 
history and people's experiences, uh, riffraff like the Turners. Uh, many, many thanks for your contribution and, and getting some uh, backgrounds, histories, involvements of a lot of individuals who've made Jackson Hole what it is today. Indeed. It is my pleasure and my honor. It's something that I learned from my grandfather and hearing stories about him growing up in his mercantile store and hardware store in Mississippi. He was born in 1904 and he'd go there and work with his father and uncle as a little kid and um, just hearing some of those stories that it just uh, drives me to want to hear more of people's stories growing up here and know more of the history and uh, let people share the history of this area and, and understand that life is real. It has real struggles, and but we can all survive with um, the right attitude and the right mental. Well, your interest in doing this helps us all uh, remind us, inspire us to pause mm-hmm. and savor the past and what we can learn from uh, those that have gone before us. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for your time this morning, John. Appreciate it. Have a good day. To learn more about John, the Triangle X Ranch, and his life history, please visit the JacksonHoleConnection.com, episode number 78. My request from you today is get out there and share this episode, this phenomenal stuff that I'm learning, and I hope you want to share it too. I could not create this podcast without the support of my wife, Laura, my boys, William and Lewis, editor Michael Morey, musical director Luke Taylor, and marketing guru Tana Hoffman. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I really look forward to seeing you back here again at the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.